0: Here we are. Here we are. Yep, a smidge. I I apologize to the delay. Anyone who was eagerly anticipating the episode coming out at the same time it's come out for the past however many months. I was a tad backlogged with finals. So I was unable to watch the movie until Thursday and then I had to spend all day yesterday grading. So, But we're here now, Elliot. We're here now. We're finally getting on top of it. Yep. Go us.
1: We're a real bastion of professionalism. Uh, So I just want to say, I recently had cause to speak with the executive producer, and she implied that she was disappointed with the amount of, she said, credit that she got uh, on this show. Credit for doing what? I'm not sure. But uh, so... Just so you know, Marissa is a real person, she's the executive producer, she has an endoskeleton, she's bipedal, she's a sentient operating agent, and uh, yeah, she's supposed to be spreading the good word of this program, which makes her more of like a marketing executive than an executive producer, but I'm the one who came up with the credit, so... Yep, good job, Marissa. Keep up the good work. And I thought, because she's a big Nintendo person, and Nathan, so are you. I thought, in her honor, I would ask. I would start off by asking, have you gotten around to Tears of the Kingdom yet? I know you're very excited for that. What's uh, what's your stance on the latest Zelda game?
0: I have not gotten it yet. As I said, I've been very busy with finals and things of that sort of nature. But I'm very excited to play it. I love Breath of the Wild. And I'm now on my summer break for like a month or so, I think. So I'm I'm, I'm going to get it. I'll give you my thoughts as soon as I do get it. Because, you know, we just share everything. We did neglect. Marissa also graduated a yes, couple I weeks was, ago.
1: I was going to say that. Marissa also graduated... She's also much more deserving of your praise and well wishes than I am. So the whole Magellans at the Movies production team has now been rightfully accorded their congratulations for
0: graduating college. Yes. Yes. The entire (laughs) entire production team who do very little. I'll be honest. I'd love to see a bit more of a work ethic from a lot of them.
1: Jake, I'm gonna need you to step it up. Maybe do some variations on your I mean you do the same thing every single week. I think a little bit uh, spicing it up a little bit would would not go amiss.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get to the movie. Uh this film was a request by dedicated listener, Josh Van Dusseldorp. Van Dusseldorp. Um, he's been there since day one. I think he was one of the first people I told that I was starting a podcast and he was fairly excited about it. So he's been a day one listener, longtime listener, first time requester. And he requested (laughs) we watch, uh, the 2010 Martin Scorsese movie, Shutter Island. So Elliot, do you want to take us through the the plot of this one? Yeah. Okay. So. Shutter
1: Island is set in 1950 something. I can't even remember. Um, 1954, but it follows uh, two federal Rangers. Isn't that what they are? He it says it's some weird marshals. title that I've never. Marshals, right. Two federal Marshals played by Leonardo DiCaprio and Mark Ruffalo as they investigate strange goings on at a island-based insane asylum for the criminally insane called Shutter Island. Um, They're initially there to look for an escaped inmate, but as the plot goes on, more and more revelations start piling up about the nature of this facility and uh, the backstory of the main character and why he's really here, uh, all culminating in a big blowout reveal that changes everything about uh, our understanding of the movie and our, our protagonist.
0: Yeah. So I will say uh, this, like Elliot mentioned, there is a pretty significant twist in this film. So if you don't want the twist spoiled, go and watch the movie before listening to the rest of our discussion on it. Because we will be talking about the twist uh, fairly extensively, I think. But let's, uh, let's jump in on this. We've talked about Scorsese a few times before. I think both of us kind of come across as a bit of Scorsese haters. Scorsese, we're, we're on the outs with Scorsese with a lot of his most iconic films. Like Goodfellas and Taxi Driver and stuff like that. And I had seen this movie once before in, like, high school or, like, early college maybe, when I was just sort of starting to try and watch more movies, basically. And I remember enjoying it, but since then, and kind of generating this dislike of Scorsese, I kind of got it in my head that I wouldn't like this movie as much, so I was interested to rewatch it and see if that would hold true. And um, I had a really great time. I had a a lot of fun watching this. I've got a few issues, which we'll get to, which I also, I feel like we say that almost, (laughs) I feel like we say that a lot. Like, I've had a lot of fun. I've got some issues, which we'll get into later. It's almost like there's a structure to this. But yeah, I had, I had a lot of fun. I was very engaged with the movie, despite being a little distracted because of finals. But yeah, I had a lot of fun. Ellie, what was your? What are your first sort of uh, feelings towards the film?
1: Um, well, I was in a similar position as you were. I had seen Shutter Island once before. I really enjoyed it the first time. Um, I had had. The twist spoiled for me already, so I knew what was going to happen, Um, but I still still liked it quite a lot. For some reason, this time around, I thought, even though I had already watched it with the pre-knowledge of that twist, for some reason, this time around, I thought that having that knowledge would impact my enjoyment of the story in a way that it hadn't the first time. That did not end up happening. I found it... I still found it very tense. Uh, it is unusually creepy for a Scorsese movie. Uh, there is some legitimate scary moments in this movie. Like, it is it is a thriller bordering on a horror movie at times. Um, but I liked all that. I thought that the mystery and the setting were all really cool I love DiCaprio, just like everyone else. I don't, I don't think that he's the best ever, uh, like some people do. But I think he's a very talented actor. Uh, I really liked Ben Kingsley for in the in the role that he had. Mark Ruffalo. Everyone's doing a good job. It was really well directed. I mean, whatever you think of his stories, Scorsese is a competent director, more than a competent director. Um. And yeah, I thought that this was a it was a very good, enjoyable, fun watch. I watched I watched most of it with my mother, um, and she didn't really react to much because she was paying attention to other things. But I watched uh, Dad watched the last like quarter of it with me, and he was broken on a deeply emotional level by the ending. So that'll be fun to talk about. <laughs>
0: yeah our our father has very visceral reactions to um movies which i do too i think if something really surprises me i genuinely like gasp and i put my hand to my mouth i look like a a woman in the 30s when she sees like a man's ankle or something like oh that's me every time something surprising happens in a movie anyway speaking of surprising let's just start there you know, the twist in the film, the twist being that Leonardo DiCaprio's character is a patient in the insane asylum. And this entire film has been, uh, for the most part, a construction by the workers of the asylum to try and convince him that his delusions are fake.
1: <gasps> wow.
0: Gasp. Yeah, it's it's quite a twist. I think you there's clues in it that I think you could maybe guess. But I think the two things that really make the twist work for me is one, rewatching the movie. It's so it's everyone, all of the actors do such an amazing job of communicating what their characters know. Right, because everyone who's not DiCaprio is in on, and I guess some of the patients, are in on the fact that this is, right, a a play or sort of a a construction, a fiction for the sake of DiCaprio's character, who I think is called Teddy or Andrew. Andrew is his real name. I think that Teddy is his fake name. Okay, so we'll call him. So Andrew is the protagonist, is DiCaprio's character. But I think all of the actors do an amazing job of it. The first time you watch it, not knowing the twist, they seem nervous because, like, maybe they're hiding something or they're nervous about being questioned by federal marshals. But then watching it this time, it's so obvious that they're nervous because. Andrew is a mentally unstable person who's being allowed to roam around and, right, do things kind of of his own free will. And so they're nervous and they're constantly, like, giving him the side eye. Or they're looking over at Mark Ruffalo's character, who's, it turns out, his uh, primary doctor. That they're constantly looking at people like, is this okay? Is he still chill? Are we all going to be good? And so I, th- I think the movie pays greatly a second watch because you see all of these little details. And then the other thing that, that I think is amazing about the twist is, I mean, the story he constructs is very believable because it's a movie. Like, he thinks they're running secret evil experiments and i mean that's such a classically movie sort of thing to happen that i feel like you overlook a lot of the kind of inaccuracies in his theories and stories because you're like oh it's a movie so you know there's just going to be some things that don't make sense when in reality they don't make sense because he's um he's crazy and he's making these things up. So I I think the twist works phenomenally and I enjoyed it even more watching it this time. Uh, yeah, I, my worry kind of
1: with this movie was that other twists. So like the twist in the sixth, the sixth sense or, like The Crying Game, which I haven't seen, but I do know the twist from it, Uh, they recontextualize things that have happened before the reveal, whereas with this movie, like you've kind of been saying, this twist redefines everything that's happened before. Um, Like, it fundamentally changes our understanding of everything that's been happening. And I thought that that might take some of the like tension or enjoyment out of watching everything when I know that it's all an elaborate sort of invention. Um but that but that that didn't really happen. Uh because like you all like you said as well, this is not everything is working out the way it's supposed to. And it's not controlled to the point that Nothing that happens seems to matter because he does like when he's interviewing the two patients um, and the one guy who's just who murdered the nurse or the maid or whatever, he doesn't really seem all that bothered. But the woman, she's clearly concerned about everything that's happening and she gives him the note that just says run Uh yeah, the, those are that. That's just an example of how this experiment isn't as well controlled as maybe the the men higher up would like it to be. And it's still enjoyable to watch him working through things and exploring the island and meeting different scary people saying scary things. So yeah, I think that and the twist is a. I think that objectively this is a very silly stupid thing to do this is a this is not a very this is a medically dubious course of treatment for a mental health patient i think um but it is still it's it's still a good i mean it's a it's a mind-blowing twist and the the reveal i think is really well handled and well structured as they sort of explain pretty much everything that's been happening and all the all the places where <clears throat> things could have broken down.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, and I I remember being very taken in by the twist, and when he gets to, when he got to the lighthouse, I was fairly certain he was going to find, I mean, there was some hesitation in my mind, but I really did think he might find some crazy Nazi science experiments or whatever. But yeah, I guess to then segue from the twist, we can talk about the, let's, let's, let's talk about the actors, I guess. So, DiCaprio is obviously in the uh, the lead role and he's doing a very good job. I will say I watched Inception recently and these two movies came out very close in uh, time to each other. And he is doing kind of the same stuff that he's doing in Inception in this, which I can kind of find kind of funny. Um, I think the people who do really well, I think Mark Ruffalo does a phenomenal job in this movie. I mean, he does such an amazing job of playing a character who knows significantly more than we think at the beginning of the movie, where he appears to be just kind of an incompetent rookie marshal, and then we discover at the end that that's not at all what he was. So I think Mark Ruffalo was by far the one that stood out the most to me, but everyone else is doing a pretty good job too. Um, Michelle Williams perpetually having to play sad wives of people. Max von Sydow, shout out him. Love that guy. Yeah. Playing the the ex-Nazi scientist. And then Ben Kingsley is pretty good as the um, head warden gentleman. But I think Mark Ruffalo was the big one that I wanted to shout out. I think he's doing a fantastic job.
1: Um. Yeah. I. I don't know. I didn't really see that to be honest. Um. Mark Ruffalo has always kind of come across as a bit of a milk toast actor to me. Like I said at the beginning, I I did like him. I thought he was good in this, but he never really. All of his roles kind of blend together to me. He doesn't really have a lot, a really strong presence uh, on the screen. Um, he doesn't have insane levels of charisma. So I thought that he was he was he was good, definitely in the role. Uh, I didn't really think there was anything special about him. Um, I was also pleased to see Max von Sydow. Having recently watched uh, Seventh Seal which he is the main character in. I thought that was an interesting connection. I was probably the standout for me. Obviously, DiCaprio was the best of the bunch since this is his movie. He's got the most screen time. I thought the standout was Ben Kingsley, who I thought did a really good job of transitioning from a kind of affable, cooperative, uh, elderly man at the beginning, to a more secretive, sinister kind of character towards the end, to a oh, excuse me, a genuinely compassionate and concerned doctor at the very end when he's when he reveals everything that's been happening to Teddy Andrew. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I, it never his different modes never really came across to me as being disingenuous or disjointed I thought that they all made sense uh for what was happening in the story and a lot of that was down to Ben Kingsley's performance
0: yeah I guess I can see that he does pretty good but I don't know you're the actor I'm just some dude so maybe we should take your word for it I guess the next thing I would want to talk about, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, is the actual, like, what's actually happening. And you mentioned that you feel like the movie is almost a horror movie at times. I think if you're a big baby who's never seen a horror movie, maybe. I didn't really see that that much. I found most of my excitement in the movie to be coming from how... It was slowly teasing the twist, especially through stuff like Teddy constantly having kind of visions and dreams of his wife and of the uh, concentration camp that he came across in World War II. That was where I found most of the kind of excitement from, obviously, the scene with where they go into Ward C and they're in an abandoned civil war (laughs) fort filled with violent criminals is a little freaky. I wouldn't consider it that scary personally, but is is that the scene you're thinking of when you say horror movie adjacent? Yeah, that,
1: and also (coughs) just generally his hallucinations of walking through fields of dead bodies or seeing his wife, uh, all bloody, or the at the very beginning, the woman with the weird, uh, patchy hair, just and the creepy blue eyes staring at him and putting a finger to her lips. I mean, that's creepy. That's frightening. I'm not a baby.
0: You're a baby. <laughs> hey man, I I calls him like I sees him. But I guess, I mean, they're reasonably freaky, I guess. I, would, I just wouldn't, I mean, I think more of the thriller aspect is just coming from Teddy slowly losing all of his calm, controlled demeanor as he's slowly, as, he's, as we find out later, right, coming off of all of the pills he was on that were keeping his delusions kind of in check. But then in the movie, it seems like he's getting closer and closer to finding the truth of Shutter Island. And so he's slowly coming unwound. And so I think the editing in, and I think this of a lot of movies, it does a really good job of introducing these delusions in a way that when we first watch them come across as just like, oh, he's having dreams, but then, right, his wife starts showing up outside of dreams and starts talking to him outside of dreams as it becomes clear that he's losing his grip on reality. So I think those elements are very well done. Yeah. I think that were it not for the reveal,
1: which kind of changes what this movie is in terms of genre. Um, this would be a pretty decent conspiratorial sort of mystery. Especially, there are a lot of elements of almost Cold War thrillers in that this is all taking place in the context of wanting to use World War II era nastiness, uh, sort of repurposing that for this ideological, economical, cultural conflict between the United States and the USSR. And the whole, the idea of a secret facility, doing experiments, uh, that's all that's all very part and parcel of uh, su- some Cold War thrillers. And it has, uh, it's structured like a mystery, where you've got suspects, You've got a um, central kind of question about the nature of a certain thing. There's a drip feed of reveals, which um, explain more about what's happening and reveal more about the people who we've come to know. It's just that at the 11th hour, it changes to be sort of a psychological character study, almost. In retrospect.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, and I think that's the strongest element of the movie is rewatching it. And then, you know, let's talk about kind of the ending of the film, right? Where it appears as though Andrew has snapped down of his delusions. And then in the final scene, he implies that he's reverted back. But then his final line to Mark Ruffalo's character seems to show that he is sane but he is choosing to forget the things he to get a lobotomy because he doesn't want to kind of live with the guilt of what he's done right of what he caused in both in world war ii and then in his home life of not seeing the issues that his wife kind of had so I think watching the movie then as a buildup to that moment makes it very good. And I, lo- I love this ending. When I first saw this movie, I thought the last line that he says to Ruffalo, which I think is, would you rather live with guilt or like die as a so it was something about like living with guilt or dying as a happy man something along those lines i want to say is what it was but i loved that last line and i thought the final scene was so was really good so i liked it just as much this time yeah
1: that that ending is that ending is pretty pretty darn brutal um i think that the the his story is extremely tragic and very disturbing. The scene where it finally plays out what happened uh, when he came home that day, it was, it was some skin crawling stuff, man. Uh, Like the wife, whoever was playing the wife, she was, she was going hard. She was so creepy and detached. And DiCaprio was obviously completely, Oh my gosh. Just the way that he was, that he ran into the lake and was like picking up the bodies of his children. It was it was awful. Uh, and then yeah, when he <laughs> when he was sitting on the steps of the asylum, and Ruffalo sits down next to him and he says like, "We need to figure out what's going on here. There's something bigger going on." <laughs> Dad made an audible like, "Ugh." he like groaned or something because he was so disappointed and then when he said his line and implied that he's he's he just can't live with what's happened i looked over at dad and he was on the verge of tears this, this ending was very hard on on poor old dad i'm afraid but it is it is a really hard tragic ending um and it's the writing and the acting really merge to create something that's very hard to watch.
0: Yes. I guess then to move away, we always talk about this eventually, but the technical elements of this movie, I the look of this movie is so good. The lighting is impeccable throughout. There's some kind of dodgy CGI at a few moments. But I think the cinematography is very good throughout and especially kind of the dream sequences and just kind of the ultra clear sheen that a lot of them have, as well as this more surreal elements that the dreams have. Like the first one that he has with his wife, where it's the room slowly being filled with ash and then she infinity wars out of his arms. (laughs) I think those are pretty cool and just the whole movie is a very it just looks very good although the music I think the music is a bit much at times especially in the first scene when they go into Shutter Island the music was crescendoing so much and it was so loud I was like this is like five minutes into the movie can you chill for a sec and there's some other moments where I just thought the, the music was a bit more dramatic than it needed to be.
1: Um, I agree. There were times where the music was going insane and the while the stuff on screen was very much not insane. Uh, it It's kind of like the criticism that some people level at the music in Interstellar, like the one shot at the very beginning where Matthew McConaughey goes to the window and the organ is rising to this insane deafening note and he's just looking at a field of corn. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really have much to add there. Martin Scorsese, like I said at the beginning, whatever you think of the stories that he chooses to tell, he is a masterful director. Um, I agree. I really like the look of the dream sequences Uh, The color was very slightly oversaturated um, and obviously weird things were happening, which contributed to the dreamlike surrealist elements of it. They also, I think, played a really strong part in the narrative where it fooled you into thinking that the source of his guilt was just not being there for his wife and not being able to save the people in the concentration camp, um, especially with the little girl saying, why didn't you save me in the concentration camp, which obviously sets up the idea that this is the source of his guilt. So it's a very, it's a good bait and switch. Um, There were some weird, some camera movements that I thought were kind of strange uh, in the, I'm thinking specifically in the very beginning when they first meet with Ben Kingsley's doctor, um, and they're having a conversation, and the camera, instead of like cutting between who's talking, it does these weird Wes Anderson style, really smooth, quick pans between each character, and it doesn't really. That's kind of the only place where it happens in the movie. So I thought that was that was just a weird stylistic choice.
0: Yeah. Well, Martin is really nutty and I think it's most egregious in, uh, the color of money that he's really nutty about these weird little camera flip sort of moves. And I'm glad that he started using fewer and fewer of them because they are really goofy. And especially in his more gritty, realistic movies, they just add a sense of weird fun. That's anachronistic to what the kind of style of the picture that he's making in my opinion. But, uh, let's get to, you know, let's talk about some negatives here enough enough of all this wishy washy. Um, I'm going to say my biggest negative, like I said, the music can be a bit overdramatic. And then there were some scenes like when they were in the cemetery and trees started falling down all around them. I was like, all right, let's, let's chill here. And that was just a moment of like, I just thought it was kind of ridiculous that all these trees would be falling right in their path. So close to them. But maybe that was a part of the delusion too. He was imagining trees (laughs) falling down. But I think my biggest issue with this movie and I think it's, obvious from comments you've already made that we are going to disagree on this, but I think the ending kills some of the momentum of the movie. And in particular, I think showing the entirety of him coming home and finding his kids were killed by his wife and then him killing his wife. I felt like it was a bit much. I felt like they had done enough before that to set up kind of what happened and why he feels the way he does. I felt like it was a mistake to show all of it. And I agree, it's a very heart-wrenching scene in isolation. But in the context of the movie, we get this amazing twist. And then we get this like six minute long sequence spelling out exactly what they said in the twist. Like they say, Ben Kingsley literally has a whiteboard. Where he's written out things to explain what happened, so I just felt like the showing all of it was unnecessary, and it killed a lot of the momentum that the movie had before that, you know, that great ending. And so, I I just think that that chunk of the movie really lost me, but uh, almost everything else in the movie I works for me. I really enjoy, but that. Not a fan of that part. Well, I think that's a very
1: silly thing to say. Um, I I I disagree. I think that 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 showing that is sort of integral to the ending and to DiCaprio's character because showing how he is now reliving that moment, I think is important context for the decision that he ends up making. And you can kind of understand on an intellectual level that this was bad and he is sad if somebody just tells you what happened. But seeing it happen, I think, produces a much more visceral reaction for the audience and for the character. I think that knowing that this is what the character is seeing and reliving, I think that that's important to understand the radical decision that a person would make to then go through with a lobotomy that they don't actually need just to get away from these memories.
0: I guess, but I feel like we've seen... I mean, surely all of him seeing right brutal depictions of people... Right. Dying alone in the snow in the camp and his visions of his wife and children being dead. I feel like that was enough for me to believe that he would want to stop reminiscing about these things. And we don't need an overwrought scene explicitly showing all of the nitty gritty details of this thing, especially this late in the game.
1: Yeah, Yeah, but those were just... Those were just visions. Those were just bad dreams. This is like an actual memory. The other things there's there's sort of there's a protective layer between him and them because they're 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 very distorted versions of reality. Whereas this memory, this is what actually happened. This is what he saw and
0: felt and did.
1: So, yeah.
0: Well, you know, that's an interesting take, Elliot. I guess everyone's free to interpret the movie as they please. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, no, I see what you're saying. I, I just disagree. I think it kills the pacing, and I think it's somewhat unnecessary. So it kind of bugs me. Do you have any closing closing thoughts here before we get into ratings? Um. Yeah, I don't
1: have any really particular big negatives. Um, I think that there are some weird camera movements uh, and the pacing sometimes is a bit strange. Like I thought that it was a weird choice to have him after he meets or hallucinates meeting the real Rachel in the cave. And we get this sort of horrifying revelation about what's happening and the odds that are against him. It felt weird for him to then have a scene with the warden, which I understand in context is about the warden just sort of talking to this guy that he doesn't really like in the context of this situation that he doesn't really approve of, and then go back to the asylum, and then go back, back to the lighthouse. I thought that that was a weird pacing choice. Um, And there are just other moments where his dream sequences can last a long time, um, and they they sort of fiddle with the momentum of the movie. And just as usual, <clears throat> the absence of really strong negatives doesn't necessarily mean that a movie is like an a or an A plus level work um, because I also, aside from like there are this movie has a lot of positives, but none of them are really like, Huge, giant positives that can push something into the realm of greatness. So, just know when I give my rating, I feel like I always have to explain this or try to explain this because I'm never fully satisfied with my explanation. That uh, some that sometimes a movie just doesn't have enough that's good or that is good enough to push it into like really high levels of, of, of masterfulness. Um, and that's why my ratings sometimes, to me, feel like they don't line up with what I've been saying because, oh, I've been saying all these great things or all these negative things about a movie, but it's just, it's just different. It's levels and quantity, man, that, uh, move things around. And, uh, sometimes there's just, there's just not enough to push a movie one way or the other. But yeah, I guess I'll, I'll leave the rest for my closing bit.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with the pacing somewhat being an issue. And just to kind of help you out there, I agree that the things that keep a movie from getting into like a nine or a 10 or, you know, in that sort of higher strata of ratings typically for me are a lack of kind of emotional connection to the movie. And so I think this one is very good in a lot of ways, but I do think it's somewhat a surface level or it's not an incredibly in depth examination of guilt. And I know I already mentioned it because it's both a similar movie and it came out around the same time, but I think inception has a bit more of a whole sale look at the guilt that doing something bad to people can kind of leave you with and how hard it is to work through that in a meaningful way, as well as I don't like, you know, I haven't really ever done anything that bad. So I don't emotionally connect to people doing horrible things. Don't make that base. What have I, (laughs) what have I done anything remotely as bad as this character? Well, there, there was that one
1: time you murdered your wife
0: Okay, but that was one time I didn't kill any Nazis in World War
1: II. uh, Um, That's that's true, I guess.
0: (laughs) But no, so I, just because I don't really emotionally connect with it on that level, and then I see it as kind of a thinner version of an examination of guilt. So while I don't feel incredibly guilty, I appreciate the depth of Inception more than this movie so i like this movie for a ton of reasons and i'm gonna give it a very positive score but i think to help you explain further as well as to explain my own reasoning for not giving it a higher rating i think sometimes it's just that emotional connection and depth of how much does the movie stick with me and keep me thinking about what it's doing so saying all that Let's jump into ratings, Elliot. What would you give this movie? Um.
1: Yeah. I I like this movie a lot. I really do. I think that it's it's well structured. It's an interesting story. I really like the setting. Uh, the technical elements are all present and correct. DiCaprio, Ruffalo, Kingsley, Sidow, uh, other last names that I don't know. Everyone's doing a great job in terms of the acting. I really like the ending. Uh, it's a very impactful, emotional ending. There are problems with the pacing and some weird stylistic choices in terms of the cinematography. Uh, but ultimately, I would say the reason that this movie... I mean, like you said, I think that that was all very well said. This movie is a, re- a well-done, fun, thriller, uh, mystery, horror-adjacent movie... Uh, but it's not the kind of movie that I spend a lot of time thinking about or revisiting. It's something that I just kind of... I just... Uh, I just like, yeah. Good movie. Uh, really strong, above-average film from a very good director with a really strong
0: principal creative team.
1: So I'm going to give it a a B. plus.
0: Yeah. I think that's pretty fair. I think you pretty much have said everything i want to say i feel pretty much the same about the movie i'm gonna give it a 7.7 out of 10 it's a good move it's a good movie i would never turn down watching this if someone wanted to but i don't know if it's necessarily one of the ones that i would uh go out of my way to watch so let's get into recommendations elliot you've got uh actually no you've got a bad one so you can go first because it sucks
1: all right well i'm just gonna ignore that <clears throat> my recommendation is the lighthouse which is a surreal dreamlike horror movie from robert eggers uh director of the northman and the Vvitch. uh i've not seen Ooh. the Vvitch, and i never will but i have seen the northman and that that movie is a whole review in and of itself, but this movie is set on a very small island with a lighthouse on it. Uh, there are only two characters, um, played by Willem Dafoe and I'm completely blanking on his name, Robert Pattinson, uh, and it follows the slow descent into madness of the these two characters. As they get stranded in the middle of a huge storm and weird things start happening, and these like it's a very Lovecraftian kind of gothic horror. Um what, especially with the aquatic nature of everything. There are some creepy tentacles and stuff, and that's that's Lovecrafty. Cthulhu has a bunch of tentacles on his face. There's your connection. Um I chose this movie because. I obviously was a lot more frightened by Shutter Island than Nathan was, um, so I I chose this movie for the sort of claustrophobic mystery elements of Shutter Island, and also for the pieces of madness and an unreliable narrator um, whose sanity is slowly crumbling. I really like it. Uh, this is this is my kind of this is the kind of horror that I like in addition to like the fun sort of campy stuff um, is I really like inexplicable cosmic Gothic Lovecraftian horror Um, because it's not very scary. uh, And also it trades in a lot of really interesting aesthetics. And I just think that it's, it's, it's a cool idea and the two performances I think are fantastic and it's got a, it's, it's filmed really well in a black and white um, and it's got an interesting box-like ratio. So the movie is definitely a looker, and I think that it's got really good rising tension, and I just I just I just like the vibe of these kinds of stories, of this the feeling that you're scraping up against something against just the tiniest aspect of something enormous that you can't fully understand, which is key to Lovecraftian cosmic gothic horror.
0: Yeah, I guess. Um, That movie's okay. We saw that in theaters. I was fairly unenthused about it, and I have not grown to be more enthused. But I think we're in the same vein we're thinking along the same lines, which is a rarity for our recommendations. Cause I'm going to be recommending Ingmar Berkman's Persona, which is a movie that follows kind of a similar sort of structure to the lighthouse where a woman who's in a hospital, mental hospital, she's in a hospital for some reason. And she goes to a beach house with her nurse. And then they both kind of, they're both slowly losing maybe a grip on reality. It's a very surreal movie. The it there's sequences that just literally make no sense. I really enjoy it. I think the two main performances of the two women who are the woman and then the nurse is are both very good. I think it's an incredibly Interesting movie. I think it's about guilt, or maybe I feel guiltier than I am because every <laughs> abstract movie I watch, I end up thinking is about guilt. <laughs> so maybe I feel more guilty than I, I said earlier earlier in the review. But I think it's very interesting, and I think it does a really good job of slowly peeling away the layers of the twist I don't know if it would be a twist because the movie is surreal to the point of it's by the end, it's very hard to tell what is necessarily really true in what's being depicted. But I think it, it shares a lot of the same DNA of a character slowly coming to grips with something they did in the past via a very isolated situation where there's just one person kind of bouncing ideas off of them. So And it's it's really good. I think it's very weird. If you watch it and hate it, you know, send a letter to our executive producer.
1: (laughs) Uh, That sounds terrible, to be honest. Um, I I have not seen that movie. You hate it? Okay. Yeah, I for me surrealism. There's like a very thin uh, Goldilocks zone for me in terms of surrealism where I really, really like it, where stuff like the lighthouse or the green Knight* lives. Um, outside of that, you've got stuff like Barton Fink uh, where I'm just like, this is stupid. Shut up. Stop talking. I want to, I want to leave. Um, so yeah, I, I have, I've only seen one Ingmar Bergman picture and that's uh seventh seal. I want to watch more of them. Feel like i have such bad luck when it comes to getting into directors because i first saw seventh seal and i wasn't all that impressed by it for a lot of different reasons um i also like the first kubrick movie i watched was 2001 and then um a Clockwork Orange, and I don't like either of those. And then Scorsese, my first one, my th- my early ones were like Goodfellas and Taxi Driver, and I, tra- Taxi Driver. And I didn't like those either. So I just, I just, I just don't have, I just don't know how to pick the good ones right off the bat. So I'm still gonna look into Mr. Bergman. I'm also going to keep on examining the idea that life is hard and full of disappointments because that the the truth of that statement becomes more apparent to me each and every day.
0: Yeah. Well, that's really exciting, Elliot. Uh, we want to thank Josh for requesting the movie. Thank you for yes. requesting a good movie. That's yes. One let's, the only- let's keep on,
1: keep on recommend, or requesting good
0: ones, guys. Let's not have a repeat of Black Mirror. <clears throat> <laughs> Whoa. Come on now. Hey, you know, the new season's coming out. We're going to do another episode on Black No, we're not, because because I'm not going to watch it. Okay. Uh, Anyway, so, yeah, thank you to Josh. We've got a really exciting episode coming up next week. We're going to have a special guest. It's also, I think, a, a real classic of a movie. I'm really excited to go back, revisit it. And then we've got our 50th episode. It'll be spectacular. Um, and then, yeah, we've got other amazing, incredible things for we've got, the,
1: we, we've got so much there, 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 this, uh, no wonder we are the top listened to uh, movie podcast in the greater Indianola Des Moines metro area, because we, w- it's because of groundbreaking stuff that we do and continue to do. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're at the top of our game. Thanks again to Marissa. You're executively producing this show to a very high standard. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Thanks to Jake. You're also doing okay on the uh, introduction. And again, thanks to us for being amazing
0: for for doing the bulk of the work. I think. Yeah, and thank thank you to the listeners. Uh, we'll be back next week oh, with another good. episode. Who cares about the listener?